Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Acts chapter 26 from the World English Bible. Agrippa said to Paul, You may speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, that I am to make my defense before you today concerning all the things that I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. Indeed, all the Jews know my way of life from my youth up, which was from the beginning among my own nation and at Jerusalem having known me from the first, if they are willing to testify, that after the strictest sect of our religion I lived a Pharisee. Now I stand here to be judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, which our twelve tribes, earnestly serving night and day, hope to attain. Concerning this hope I am accused by the Jews, King Agrippa. Why is it judged incredible with you if God does raise the dead? I myself most certainly thought that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I also did this in Jerusalem. I both shut up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my vote against them. Punishing them often in all the synagogues, I tried to make them blaspheme. Being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Whereupon, as I traveled to Damascus with the authority and commission from the chief priests at noon, O king, I saw on the way a light from the sky, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who traveled with me. When we had all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but arise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you a servant and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will reveal to you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I send you, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive remission of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to them of Damascus, at Jerusalem, and throughout all the country of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, doing works worthy of repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Having therefore obtained the help that is from God, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would happen, how the Christ must suffer, and how, by the resurrection of the dead, he would be first to proclaim light both to these people and to the Gentiles. 
As he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are crazy. Your great learning is driving you insane. But he said, I am not crazy, most excellent Festus, but boldly declare words of truth and reasonableness. For the king knows of these things, to whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things is hidden from him, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, With a little persuasion, are you trying to make me a Christian? Paul said, I pray to God that whether with little or with much, not only you, but also all that hear me today, might become such as I am, except for these bonds. The king rose up with the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. When they had withdrawn, they spoke to one another, saying, This man does nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. That is the end of chapter 26. So here, King Agrippa gives Paul the go-ahead to make his defense, and we get this interesting detail right in verse 1 that Paul stretched out his hand. And I don't know for sure what that means, if it was part of the proceedings or if it was just Paul being expressive, but it's interesting that Luke includes that detail, and he just is really painting a picture of what is happening. It seems to me to represent what Paul is saying, that he's happy and ready, as is apparent by how he does it, to present his defense, much in line with what is said in 1 Peter 3.15, that we are supposed to be ready to give reasons for having the hope that we do. Paul begins right off by stating that he is aware that King Agrippa is an expert in these things, which is something he will bring up again in verse 27. They're going so far as to say that he knows that King Agrippa believes the prophets. But for now, Paul goes into saying that his life has been pretty public among the Jews. They know about his training as a Pharisee and how dedicated and zealous he was. And though he's not talking directly to them right now, he challenges the Jews to testify truthfully, if they will, about his life. And then in verse 6, he gets right to the resurrection, which is what he says any Jew should be looking forward to, as he will also reference in verse 22. I think it's noteworthy that in verse 8, Paul speaks of God as a given. He does not even defend God's existence. And then in verse 9, Paul admits that he thought at first he was doing things according to Scripture, but for a while he was contrary to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And this is a strong testimony that one so fully against that against the message of Jesus, is now basing his life's work on what Jesus Christ did and claimed. So how could this be? Well, he's going to give the details. And beginning in verse 12, we get the third time in Acts that we have an account of what happened on his way to Damascus. As I was doing some research about comparing the accounts, I found that some people think there's a contradiction between Acts 9-7 and Acts 22-9, but this is very easily proven not to be a contradiction at all. In some translations of chapter 9, verse 7, they say the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. But you may recall that in the World English Bible, they translate this as hearing the sound, which is part of 
clearing up the, the apparent contradiction that isn't a contradiction. And again, going to Acts 22.9, some translations say those who were with him didn't hear the voice of him who spoke to him. But in the World English Bible, it says they didn't understand the voice of him who spoke to him. The word that is used in Acts 9-7 can be translated voice or sound, and the word in 22-9 can be translated hear or understand, but also keep in mind that the word hear is in many places in scriptures used to say understand, if you hear my words, meaning if you take them to heart, if you understand them. So the men heard the sound. They maybe even heard the sound of a voice, but they did not understand what was being said. Now, as far as comparing the three accounts in Acts 9, Acts 22, and Acts 26, one thing it does is that it establishes Paul's conversion story very firmly. It is told three times. The first time, Luke recounts it in the third person. And then in both the second and the third time, Paul tells it, but in Acts 22, he's telling it to a Jewish audience, and in Acts 26, he's telling it to a Gentile audience. If you look at Acts 9, you can see that Ananias' hesitation is recorded, and also how he gets a vision and he acts on it, and it is him being an instrument of God to heal Paul. Then in Acts 22, there are details that might be of more interest to the Jews, because as we mentioned, they emphasize Ananias's good repute. And then that's in verse 12. And then in verse 14, we have Ananias giving a message to Paul from God that validates Paul's vision. And then we have Paul's subsequent vision in the temple, ending with the message that he will be going to the Gentiles. And then here in Acts 26, it doesn't even mention Ananias or the blindness, but goes on in more detail about proclaiming the gospel and what the gospel is, and in fact, emphasizing that this is a light to Jews and Gentiles, which is reference to Isaiah 42.6, Isaiah 49.6, and even Luke 232, where we have Simeon prophesying over the baby Jesus. A couple of more things are noteworthy in the narrative of chapter 26. Here it mentions that the voice was speaking in Hebrew, and also he gives a lot more details about what God said to him in the vision. In this description in the World English Bible, it uses the phrasing to open their eyes, but keep in mind that this is followed up that with that they may turn from darkness to light. So the opening their eyes is helping them to see the truth, but they still have decisions to make. And it includes the powerful description that we are saved if we believe we are saved from the power of Satan. I like how in verse 19, Paul is so emphatic. He says, I paid attention to this vision from God, implying that it's the only reasonable response. And in obedience to this vision, he has been a witness to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And the Jews are trying to kill him for obeying the God of their fathers, for explaining the very things that are in the scriptures that Moses and the prophets foretold. My New King James cross-reference Bible had a list of cross-references, and I want to share a few of those with you. Uh, the chain of these things begins in Genesis 3.15 when God declares that he will defeat Satan through the seed of the woman. 
And this is the first reference to what is known as the suffering Messiah. Now, one thing I did when I was going through these cross-references was to also see where they were quoted in the New Testament. So, Genesis 22.18, which is the promise to Abraham that all the nations will be blessed through him, is referenced in Acts 3.25, Galatians 3.8.9 and 16, and Luke 1.73. Genesis 26.4 is where the promise is um, next given to Isaac. Genesis 49.10 is where Israel is blessing his sons right before he dies, and he talks about the scepter not departing from Judah. Interestingly, this is also referenced in Numbers 24, 17, where Balaam is trying to prophesy against Israel, and it is also something that could be compared with Psalm 2. Deuteronomy 18, 15 and 18 through 19 is where Moses says, a prophet like me will come from your midst. And this is referenced in Acts 3.22 and 7.37. Second Samuel 7.12 is the promise given to David about his heir sitting on the throne forever. And this is referenced in Acts 2.30 and Romans 1.3. That's all I'm going to list right now, but I hope you'll look into that more because it's an interesting study to see what verses are quoted or referenced in the New Testament. In verse 23 of Acts 26, Paul gives the gospel again. He talks about the Christ, which would be the Greek for the Messiah, which we would often translate as the anointed one who would suffer, be resurrected from the dead, and then this light is being proclaimed to these people who are the Jews and the Gentiles. At this point, in verse 24, Festus tries to detract from Paul's testimony by just claiming loudly that Paul must be insane. In John 10.20, this same accusation is made against Jesus. And then in 1 Corinthians 1.23 is one of the places where it talks about the gospel being foolishness to those who don't accept it. In verse 25, Paul stands his ground and uses King Agrippa's knowledge of what was not done in a corner to verify his testimony. He's pointing out that this is all widely known and King Agrippa is aware of it. And in verse 28, we see that King Agrippa is affected, but he seems hesitant. In the New King James Version, he says, you almost persuade me, while in the World English Bible it states it more like, are you trying to persuade me? And Paul just responds with, with emphasizing that the message is for all who hear. And then in verse 32, it ends with King Agrippa confirming Paul's innocence. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 